the SAT Adversity Score. Mr. Reagan. All right, before I get into this, I need to mention that if you'd like to support the channel, please check out my Patreon page. I do everything on this channel myself here, and I'm currently trying to scale up, which means paying editors and hopefully researchers soon, and uh, maybe getting new shows on the channel. So I'm trying to get enough regular income to do all that. So we have created some incentive tiers to get like Mr. Reagan pens and mugs and stuff like that. Totally not worth what you're paying for, but it's really just a way of supporting the channel. And if you want to support the channel and you need to prepare your family in case of emergency, you can get a two-week food supply in a locking tote from My Patriot Supply. Uh, these seem pretty dang cool to me. My brother just got one for his family after he saw me hawking it last month, and he said that soon after it arrived, he spotted a four-day emergency supply kit from another brand at Costco for like 50 bucks or something. It was super light, apparently, whereas this one's quite a, a hefty supply. And so we felt great about his purchase. And you, you can get 45% off now if you want to get this. And the, the food lasts up to 25 years in storage, which is just mental. So if you want uh, emergency food supply, go to preparewithmrreagan.com. And I'll have the link down in the description, of course. Okay, now let's talk about the SATs. So the College Board, which is the organization that operates the SAT system, these guys are initiating something called an adversity score. The score won't actually change the standard score, the score based on reading, math, etc. But apparently it's something that like is to be looked at alongside of the regular SAT score. The adversity score will examine 15 factors that are intended to calculate a student's adversity. I couldn't find a comprehensive list of the factors, but what I did find were poverty, or food stamp eligibility, crime rates, disorderly schools, broken families, and families with education deficits. This is supposed to indicate how hard a student had to work to achieve their academic success. Yes, good, because the only adversity anyone ever faces in their lives is economic. That was sarcasm, in case you were wondering. This is from the New York Times. It's a quote by David Coleman, the chief executive of the College Board, the organization initiating this moronic metric. He says, merit, merit is all about resourcefulness. This is all about finding young people who do a great deal with what they've been given. It helps colleges see students who may not have scored as high, but when you look at the environment that they have emerged from, it's amazing. Here's my problem with this idiotic idea. Poverty is not the only adversity people face in this world. Imagine a rich girl from a very wealthy neighborhood with a neglectful absentee father and an alcoholic mother. This girl was sexually abused as a child, unpopular in school, physically unattractive, awkward, overweight, with an acne problem, and though she lives in a wealthy area, she was ridiculed because of her unfashionable clothes and her 15-year-old used car because her parents are overly pragmatic. She never dates in high school, she's never invited to parties, never goes to prom or homecoming. She has few to no friends, and no teachers take her under her wing to show her special attention. She spends most of her time in the library, focused on her studies and her future, the only way she can see to escape her nightmare of a life. Imagine, on the other hand, a girl with lower-income parents who goes to a school in a poor neighborhood with high crime, but she's one of the most beautiful girls in school. She's, she's super popular, she's a top athlete. And she's not a great student, but the teachers spend extra time with her in order to get her grades up, and she ends up with perfect grades and a high SAT score. Now, who faced adversity in these two scenarios? 
The adversity score would tell you that the rich girl was privileged and that the poor girl faced adversity. But that's not really true at all. Clearly, the rich girl's life was hell and the poor girl's life was awesome. Now, this is an unrealistic hypothetical, but it makes my point clearly. The truth is that we all face adversity. Jordan Peterson often makes the general statement, life is hell. I don't know about that, but we are all certainly bombarded with tragedies throughout our lives, and most people never even talk about the things that have traumatized them. If the college board had brought a clinical psychologist in to design an accurate adversity score, economic and regional statistics probably wouldn't be weighed very heavily. So why do these people seem to exclusively consider regional and economic adversity? Because this is not a genuine attempt to consider adversity. It's not an adversity score. It's a diversity score. These people are still functioning under the delusion that the political left's categories of oppression must be used to guide their heavy-handed social engineering. This is all about cultural Marxism, wealth redistribution, and social engineering. And it will impede the march of progress in this country and in the world. It is completely unjust, unfair, unscientific, and put simply, it is moronic. This is from the Wall Street Journal, also a quote from Mr. Coleman. There are a number of amazing students who may have scored less on the SAT, but have accomplished more. We can't sit on our hands and ignore the disparities of wealth reflected in the SAT. Exactly, disparities of wealth, but not disparities in any other area. I would love to get a comprehensive list of what they believe the factors are that contribute to somebody's overall adversity. Is ugliness on there as being overweight, being too skinny, nerdiness, negligent parents, alcoholic parents, crazy parents, a lack of athleticism, a lack of friends, the death of a sibling, the death of a friend, the death of close grandparents, acne, shyness, low self-esteem, being a cowboy in a hip-hop neighborhood, being a gangsta in a redneck town, being gay in a conservative community, being a conservative in L.A.? You guys don't take any of this stuff into account. You just take basic demographic data. You are not really looking to counterbalance a student's adversity. This claim is laughable. Once this adversity score is calculated, it will be displayed on something called an environmental context dashboard, which should be titled the Ghetto versus Country Club Dashboard. Uh, this will show the rank of the SAT scores as well as the quote-unquote adversity. I imagine that there will be something, some kind of XY axis that will look something like this. Okay, so why is this happening? Why did they do this? This is all because of the Harvard lawsuit by Asian students who got effed by affirmative action. Instead of recognizing that affirmative action is simply an unjust, outdated system that needs to be dismissed, these academic entities have decided instead to create a new way to racially profile students. Instead of lowering the standard for black, black students explicitly, they're going to grade everyone on a curve, and the hope is that the students that they are targeting are assisted by this, and that the undesirable students, the students with privilege, are brought down. This is cultural Marxism in its purest form, and all the inefficiencies and failings of Marxist theory are clearly present. No, they have not taken into account the full diversity of human suffering. No, they have not ap appropriately accounted for the distinct degree of suffering of every type from every student. 
Did poverty affect you a little negatively, moderately negatively, or horrifically? And much like the Marxism of the Soviet Union, everything involved in this calculation is going to be 100% transparent. And when I say 100% transparent, what I really mean is completely secret and not transparent at all. Yeah, they're not telling anyone what the magical formula is. They're just going to judge all of our children and not tell us how these students are going to be judged or why. And we all just have to accept this and, you know... Pretend that we all think it's all fair and sensible and, and just go along with it. No, you know what? No, I'm not going to just trust these people. And no, I'm not just going to go along with this. I hope some schools reject this stupid metric. I hope most schools reject the metric. Because I would discourage anyone, including my own nieces and my nephew, not to even bother applying to schools who use it. But, I mean, if all schools use this diversity nonsense, they won't really have a choice, will they? They'll just have to submit to Big Brother or don't bother going to university at all. Despite all of the problems with the adversity score that I have detailed here in this video, there's one problem more significant than everything else covered. It's the same problem we have now with the current affirmative action system. Professional disciplines don't care how rich or poor you are growing up. They don't care if you're black or white. Engineering is about being good at math and geometry and physics. Science is about discipline, meticulous testing and investigation, curiosity, reading at an incredibly high level, and problem solving. Law is about the detailed understanding of vast numbers of regulations, research, and strategic planning. If you grade applicants to university on a curve because of their race or adversity or whatever, you're admitting people who are unprepared for the rigorous study demanded by these disciplines or, at the very least, less prepared than others who are better educated, more intelligent, or who are more predisposed toward those disciplines. If these underqualified individuals are admitted, they are more likely to fail, to drop out, or have to be carried along through their studies. They will more likely have to be graded using a lower standard throughout their studies, and then will they even get a job afterwards, or will they just end up being the least valuable professional at their places of employment? If this score disproportionately benefits black students, like I think the College Board intends, then you still have a major problem with race-based reduced standards currently in place because of affirmative action. Basically, since everybody in America knows that black students and professionals are sometimes held to a lower standard than whites or Asians, people will naturally be concerned that black professionals are not the best, and nobody wants to work with not the best. Everybody wants to work with the best, or at least not have reason to suspect that the person they're working with has been held to a lower standard than the rest of his peers. So now the entirety of black professionals is made suspect because of affirmative action and the push toward diversity. And this is most tragic for the very best black professionals. Black doctors at the head of their profession, engineers, lawyers, architects, researchers, teachers, etc., etc., etc. These men and women will all be suspected by anyone who knows about diversity initiatives and who are concerned by them. They will all be suspected of being inferior because of these stupid, reduced standards. These black professionals who are better than everybody else in their field, white or Asian or Jewish or whatever, these highly gifted black professionals are the real victims of affirmative action because a perceived inferiority is now logically drawn from a law that holds them to a lower standard than their peers. Affirmative action needs to be revoked. It's long overdue. And I do think that the Harvard case will finally achieve this. You know why? Because it's not white people fighting. It's Asians. And Asians aren't hated like white people are in America. The adversity score is a desperate attempt to keep the ethnic diversity going. But this absurd obsession with eth ethnic diversity, that needs to end too. And I think America is waking up to this. Individual merit needs to be the thing that is actually rewarded. Not ethnic merit. Not victim merit. Real merit. 
Intellectual diversity is what we should prize. Diversity of ideas. The brightest minds with the most brilliant ideas will help our society progress the most efficiently, the most effectively, and in the most optimal fashion. Discriminating against a person because he's rich or white or male, that helps no one. Instead of trying to account for adversity, try to counterbalance the failings of the K-12 compulsory education system in America. How about we just fix the damn education system in America? Instead of reducing standards for the students that the public school system has failed, how about we just stop failing our students? How about we facilitate school choice through privatization, vouchers, charter schools, etc.? There are so many beautiful plans for leveraging our amazing market economy to improve our schools and make them the best in the world. But the left keeps fighting against this in order to preserve this reservoir of teachers' union votes, campaign contributions, and leftist propaganda. Our society needs to take a stand against leftist academics who push cultural Marxism in order to feel like they've done something charitable. We need to just hold ourselves, all of us, to the highest possible standards. Well, that's it for me. If you like this episode, hit the like button. If you want to see more like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, you probably grew up poor. But listen, you little street urchin, you might envisage this as outlandish or maybe preposterous or perhaps even inconceivable. But I, too, grew up poor. <laughs> Good night. I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit, for political purposes, my opponent's youth and inexperience. Yeah.